0: Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. Uh, we, I say we, because we got the whole cast here, uh, spoiler alert, which I don't know, maybe not a spoiler <laughs> alert, uh, whatever. Like, anyway, expectation alert? We're setting the expectations high, because yeah. I'm excited about this. This is actually a topic that I've had in a google doc for a while and then i thought it was really cool and then i forgot about it and then i like wrote it in a different google doc and then forgot about it again and then found it recently (laughs) and started talking to (laughs) these goblins about it and it was like everybody seemed to really get on board and get excited about this topic idea so i'm excited to finally bring this to fruition today um but before we get to that we got to thank the grinding coffee company two episodes in a row. I did the opening and I remembered that is probably a new record for me. Good job. <laughs> I, I mean, I am impressed. Yeah. It's it's. Uh, we love them. We love them. And unfortunately I tend to forget and then have to throw it in at the end. And which I always love thanking i and always glad to get it in there, but I want to try to remember at the beginning. So the grinding coffee company.
1: When people haven't,
0: like,
2: realized that we're so off the rails that they've, like, shut well, off the episode? Yeah. Okay.
0: I, I, I Yes. So the Granite Coffee Company is uh, a, a minority-owned and, and LGBTQ-ran uh, coffee company that likes to support gamers, and they've been supporting us for a while, and... I, as I like to say, I tend I don't drink coffee myself, so I, that's not a thing for me. But I love a I know Hobbs does, and Hobbs loves their coffee, and I love his stories about their coffee that he drinks and makes into weird things that aren't
1: coffee. Ooh, which I need to make
0: thing. A, this. I just got a couple of new bags. I'm
2: trying to remember which ones I got, but I think I might need to make a coffee <laughs> okay. simple syrup for alcohol drinks.
0: So I'm gonna derail. Yes. The episode okay. while we're doing the shout out for the sponsor, we should do a color pie episode of things you can turn your coffee into. <laughs> 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 anyway, that's a whole. But they're they're great. They also support us with all the charity stuff we do, which is fantastic. It's it's February as we're recording this, so we're a couple months away from Mental Health Awareness Month, and then we have Pride Month, and we're going to be doing stuff then. And I'm, you know, we'll we'll talk to the granny Coffee Company, but they've been great partners in the past, and I'm sure that they'll will be helping us with these things again. So it's we love them. We love being supported by them. Always want to thank them. And if you're interested in coffee. Check out the the show notes. We have a a code
2: yeah, there. we you have can
1: go.
0: We, we have our link
2: tree, which has link all tree. of our links and here and our and our all of our discounts because we have various
3: other discounts that are available too. Uh, but do you th- re- you those realize that it's already halfway through February? May is going to be here before we know it mm-hmm We're not going to talk right. about that. We're not going to keep bringing it up because <laughs> yep. we've got a lot to plan for May for various
0: things that we'll yep. be talking about as we get closer. But you know, Mental Health Awareness Month is a big thing we've done every year so for multiple years now. I think since the second year of this cast, which is a lot at this point. Now we're we're coming up on
2: five years. five
0: years anyway. Five years that yep. I'm not going to talk about. So today we're here to to talk about none of those things. That's for the future, but for the present. I want to talk about the topic of legendary, of not just legendary, but creatures and characters who kind of came back and had different colors and some of their identity. And so speaking about characters and identities, I'm going to introduce myself because that's a thing that we do usually sometimes near the first half of this show. Is, yeah, I'm Alex. <laughs> maybe some new listeners are listening. <laughs> yeah. And to are, 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 uh, haven't turned us off yet. So exactly. we, we <laughs> so, could introduce ourselves. Yeah. So I'm Alex found on, on Twitter mm, here and there at Mel underscore chronicler. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm going to start this off. We like to do an opening question when we think of one, at least five or 10 minutes before the show starts recording. And today we just, Figure we're talking about color identity, we're talking about characters, so we thought nice to kind of start with our own color identities and kind of where we see ourselves. And I've talked about this a little bit, but I realize it has actually been a while. Um, I, by and large, mostly, I see myself mostly in the Lorehold colors, red, white. And I like to say Lorehold because it's not Boros. Both are red, white, but both have different representations of how to kind of be red-white, which was one of my favorite things about Cirxhaven. It, it, it gave several of those uh, enemy color pairs really new sort of versions, new ways to sort of mix those colors together and come up with something different. And, and that's where I see myself a lot like the the... Um, there's definitely some strong organization and stuff within the white, but there's also, I have a strong spontaneity and I need some ability to do that. And so we talk about goal planning and things that I don't want to get too detailed into that. But for myself, it took me a long time to sort of find good ways to make goals for myself because if they're too structured and rigid, then I, I feel constrained by them and I, and I stop. And if they're too open ended, then I'm not like working toward anything, and they're just not useful. And so it's been, for me, it's been trying to find that balance between those two, sort of on the surface, seemingly conflicting things, but you can find ways to make that work. And there's ways and places where they overlap and work well. So that's kind of where I'm at.
3: Taya, wanna... hi. I'm Taya uh, at Taya Transcends on Twitter. Uh, pronouns are she, her, or they, them. And my color identity is Jeskai, um, with a, you know, capital R in U and a lowercase W and definitely the least on the white side, but, uh, um, and heavily centered in red and pulling in those two enemy colors, uh, for balance. But the, uh, yeah, I've always kind of felt that, um, best represents me where I've been in life my past few years. And we'll discuss a little bit more about that later on in the episode. But, um, you know, I'm very much that uh, fiery center and passionate person, but have some some order in um, my life to at least you know, so I think that comes from the autistic side. It's being autistic and having ADHD means you want things to be the same, but not for long. Yeah, um, that's a, yeah, yeah. I like that analogy. <laughs> um, so I, I think that really describes guy too, is you, you want continual change, but you want some kind of control to how that change is happening. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, more than necessarily the um, monastic, jess guy as a portrayed i would say i'm more likely i'm more like is it splashing white than you know a monk in a tower uh style but that that's kind of my where my color identity is we don't have an alternate representation of the wedge color so i'll have to see maybe someday they do come out with one that's not quite as bookish, uh, or monkish as the, uh, Jessica themselves are. But for now, that's what I claim for my color identity. Well, and, I mean,
1: I this could always,
2: Oh, sorry. Yeah. Like before, I haven't even introduced myself, but I was just thinking like this always could come back to what we've talked a lot about on the show, right? Like naming conventions are interesting. Um, so that we have ways to talk about like a shared thing, but like yeah, red, white, blue is not necessarily the same as Jeskai. Uh, it's been helpful to have the Lorehold or the, the Strixhaven it was really nice to highlight something that Alex, you've talked about this from a mechanical and just flavor
0: standpoint for a long time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and and it's interesting because you talk about and to you know Bogard the mic even longer to make it harder for the our third host to introduce himself. Um, the the Jeskai are an interesting thing, and we'll, I'm, we might even get in to this a little bit is we see when the topic but the way that set was built they were intentionally capital you know u for blue capital w for white with a lowercase r for the red because of how that set was built and that's a different sort of configuration from how you know you describe yourself so it's interesting i hadn't really thought of that with the, the guilds or the yeah. comms
2: hi I am Hobbs Q. I, I'm back. I get to be here this week. I, I I can now fully hear out of both ears again, which is Ooh. a really awesome, amazing uh thing. You were uh, missed last week. Mm-hmm. I missed that topic. That was a bummer. Like, I was really bummed. Um, But yeah, I, I just couldn't really hear out of one ear, which made recording awkward because it just everything felt centered off. Like, I, I actually felt a little disoriented that way because I could like new sound was coming in, but then it was clearly only coming in on it on once. It was weird. Um, So for me, I am base red, blue as well. So (laughs) there's a reason (laughs) that uh, there's a, there's a reason that I I'm on the show and I get along with my co-hosts. And I will say, you know, we all have this red piece of alignment to us. And Taya, I know you and I have talked a lot about the, the the blue piece um, too. And I think that of the red blue, I would actually fit in with the is it? Um, The description of them being like obsessive, keen, and creative, who often have short attention spans and are known to perform magical experiments with reckless abandon and spectacular but severe results. I like it, just kind of seems like uh, they they don't necessarily want, if you think of them from like their role, they don't necessarily want the guild to have uh, like a, like a homogenous like approach to things right like they or like the city they don't want it to just be like this giant like what's the word uh hegemony is that how it's pronounced so yeah like i never knew like i've read like all those books for ender's game all my life and was like i don't that's a word i still can't pronounce uh but anyway like i think that they would do that if i were to add on another color and this is something that i think is interesting when we think of like uh most of us like think of like you know like all these different aspects i would probably pick up a, a minor minority in like black and pushing me more towards like a grixis type build um there is that element that is i think to do with knowledge uh but more knowledge is power Um, and bolus fanboy confirmed (laughs) yeah yeah. i was like let's be honest here uh (laughs) and you know i don't want to jump too far ahead but what's interesting is this is a shift for me in where i um this is a shift for me uh, like prior to finishing grad school um and that's all i'm going to say for now because it's going to
0: yeah yeah. All right,
1: this is well, a shift.
0: There we go. So, said we're. I, I think maybe we've we've lampshaded this pretty pretty strongly. Maybe we've highlighted or underlined it pretty boldly. But at this point, this is the topic we're we're going to talk about characters and things. And I think there's some definite uh, real world parallels we could talk about and use. You know, some stuff from our, ourselves. But so we'll get into the like the actual the actual topics. So I want to start. I'll say from a. This I, one of the reasons this fascinated me is is kind of from the Melthos angle, which is you know both the, the Mel sort of mechanical looking at the the player psychographics and why people like the game and how the people engage with the game. And you kind of have, from the aesthetic side, you have the Mel who like mechanical things, and then the Vorthos, which are about story things. And these two aren't um, opposed to each other. they there's just two different meters that you can kind of be at different points, you know, or the same point on both or whatever. So. As I, Taya, myself in particular, talk a lot about Meltho stuff on this cast, I think we're both kind of in that bucket where we really like not just mechanical things and flavor things, but we love when those things sort of meld, and this is one of those topics that is really strong- Much like Slowbad
2: and Bosch. Oh. (laughs) Oh, sorry, Alex.
0: God. Yikes. Oh, man. Wow, Hobbs just it, it coming was, in aggressive there.
2: Well, it was like it was so perfect, and then I was like, "Oh crap!" I know. I know. yeah. Sorry about um, that, buddy. Bad. That's, that's
0: fine. Don't pay I, attention
2: to that. Slow bat's fine.
0: Yeah. No, I slow bat is still dead. It's fine. It's fine. He's still dead. Wait, that's not anyway. Well, that's a thing. That's that's a whole like several other conversations. So the point I'm trying to get at is this whole idea of not just obviously there's a lot of characters that come back for various reasons, very story reasons, various, we want to fill out a set reasons. You know, you're looking at your dominaria's and there's all sorts of like people who are coming back or their descendants or both. I mean, there's all of these things and but there's specifically what interested me. I mean, those are cool and I love seeing those things, but what fascinated me in this sort of slice of these characters who come back and have different colors within their, their card And where that represents where that is a mechanical representation of a story thing that is developing in their character or is happening sort of in their life or in the plot that is sort of maybe a new setting where this character is cast in a different uh, uh, relief to what's going on and this puts them into a different color identity. Um, I think one of the easier ones to talk about, if you've been around for a while, I guess I realize he hasn't been a character who's been relevant for a while, but Sarkin, the the Planeswalker Sarkin Vol kind of had this journey and it will go into one of these several worlds where this is used more widely, where it's not just a single character, but where wizards intentionally use this as a tool, I think, to cast, you know, for this, this whole set or multiple sets. And Sarkin started, he started, did he start, uh, green, red, he was green, red. As a planeswalker, um, very sort of in that, that gruel sort of in the wilds and sort of, he was about dragons and he loved dragons and he's from this world where the dragons were all extinct and he loved going out and finding dragons. And I know he had more story to that, but this, this sort of led him. And then he, he found Bolus and got manipulated. He ended up black, red. He was in this bad headspace and he was reacting. And then this sort of led him back to oh, Tarkir. He-
3: he had the ghost of an elder dragon stuck in his head, you know, that's bound to cause yes. some problems.
0: It, it, yes, exactly. And and so mm, he's biting my tongue, led him on this <laughs> journey that then brought him back to Tarkir, where he sort of Marty mcfly his way into reinventing the timeline and bringing dragons back. And then he... Sort of ironically, was green, red, blue, bringing back the green again, bringing back that nature, tying him back to the colors of one of the the clans on Tarkir after he erased them from history. But like, this is... Good on you, Sarkhan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so it's this, there was this definite, and then you'll see him in a lot of different places. He shows up mono red. That I think is more filling the set. We're like, we need a mono red walker for this set. And we have... 15 versions of Chandra already. Let's put Sarkid in this slot. And so there's possibly something there, but I I think that the green red to the green black to the blue, green, red was a very clear story and mechanical journey for this character. Before I like sit too long on the mic, because I could transition to the character that really got me wanting to talk about this episode. Do you, guys have anything you wanted to start sort of
3: off the bat? Well, I just want to go with one that's always been a disappointment to me because I can't run one version, the other deck, but Doretti, uh, my favorite goblin having his original red version from commander set, um, which was largely defined by the fact that they were all monocolored commanders. And this is the first time we're introduced to him. And he's kind of just wants to build his stuff and do his thing. And, Get back, and then when they they bring him back into the story in Conspiracy Two, he's red, black, um, and gotten. I mean, he's gotten a little murdery. He's taking lessons from Grenzo on how to <laughs> uh, how to get back at people. Um, yeah. So he's hanging out with Grenzo, maybe not the best crowd, and uh, learning learning how to be a little on the murdery side. Uh, picks up black and more than just the chaos it's like I, he's learning how to be a goblin that isn't a goblin academic which he was previously
0: yeah he um, was even was he i did they put iconic class what was his subtitle in that,
3: that yeah card? his uh his um ingenious iconic yes. class is his genius iconic Black. Black.
0: which is yeah. a word that i learned from a video game podcast means to like try to tear down a system or something about religion yeah
3: which is and, uh, kind of neat. So unfortunately, um, you know, I can't play them both in the same. I can't play new newer Doretti in the old Doretti deck, and I've never gotten to have them hang out together. And I've never really built a deck where the newer Doretti fits in. But um, yeah, when you when you go from being a being a poorly respected academic to deciding maybe you know you're can deal with people's uh, long tenure by throwing them out windows. He uh, didn't pick up black in your color pie at that point.
0: Mm-hmm. Black is the color of defenestration.
3: Yeah. And <laughs> it's a card, isn't it? Yeah, like, is that it is Yeah, a card. It's, it one of, a it's, card. Like, it's one of my favorite words, too. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a
0: wonderful word.
2: Um, I, I guess before we move on to like Alex, I know the, the other character you wanted to bring up, but uh, Sark and I want to highlight okay. um one last thing. The yeah. the interesting thing with Sarkin picking up blue was Sarkin was mono red in the earlier version of Tarkir. Uh in the early oh, in the right, first storyline yeah. of it. I forgot so about that. That could like turn into a dragon. Um the yeah. time when there wasn't any. The the wild thing to me is the picking up a blue is one of the few that I have a harder time making a story for other than picking up part of the
3: clan. You know like it's it's it really I guess it is. Yeah, uh, I he guess hung the mechanical out with mechanical streamer a little bit in Fate Reforged and all of a sudden he was blue when he came back.
2: Right. So that's
0: the one of the other of ones we're going to talk about. <gasps> oh i my that, god. Picking up a blue is one of the fascinating things to me. Okay. So this is a weird connection I just made, but I think this might tie into his blue in Tarkir. Sorry, in the cons, in the early part, dragons are extinct. But he is this planeswalker who loves dragons. He went out and found dragons. And sort of in this world without dragons, like you said, he was the only dragon. He He kind of carried that memory. Well, now that things have flipped, he is the only person who remembers the clans. And now with that blue, he carries the teamer. He carries the memory of the teamer forward. So it's kind of that flip for him, who he is and kind of what he represents, I guess, what he's can carrying with him. I think what's really interesting to me is I guess it's and
2: we'll talk about this, but from a Melthos perspective, the mm-hmm. blue really isn't doing much.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That, like it doesn't
0: match. That's right, the, the the m- it's it's not yeah, really no. doing anything
2: in any the of mecha- the abilities.
0: The mecha- well, I mean sort of blue is draw a card, but so is everyone. Right, um, right. The uh, add but,
2: one mana of any color is not. But No, yes.
0: that's more greenish. But yeah, his his, his thing, and mechanically... Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. The blue is the weakest mechanically in that card. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but still, I, I think that that is more story, and that might be a place where they're just like... And also, I mean, in a way, in a very literal sense, in the first set of that block that was about these three-color clans, and now Sarkin in the last set is the only three color card in the set.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That is a nice mechanical riff that they did. It's also the best art on any Sarkhan. Oh my God. It's really good. Uh, <laughs> Agreed. We could all, I think we could all
0: agree on that. <laughs> Hubs, do you want to talk about Grenzo before I move on to my next person? Yeah. So, I mean, we get to, we, you know, uh g- Grenzo getting
2: moving. Grenzo has only gotten two cards, so we haven't gotten to see it a little bit. You know, when we first see Grenzo initially, he's... Uh, oh wait, is he? Now I'm forgetting.
0: Uh, black red in the first conspiracy moves to red in the second. That's right. So like, it's a very interesting losing of a color <sighs> yeah,
3: for the next time that, we
0: see him.
2: Yeah, he um, handed off Eddie to, to ready,
3: apparently. <laughs>
2: apparently, because like they're hanging yeah. out, he's teaching them to become more murdery, yet he loses his red or black um but yeah he starts out as his as as a dungeon warden you know like that's the main thing we kind of think of he has you know the 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 black there i really i mean i like it because it lets me play it um but i mean it does make sense he's like watching over this like dungeon he's able to let people in and out his ability is kind of this put a creature card into a graveyard and then bring it into play based on like uh, a mechanical ability which feels very and despite, black despite
3: you know the fact that ostensibly he's working for the monarchy he's taking care of himself first by who he controls who goes in and out of the dungeon yep yeah.
0: mm-hmm. yep yep yeah that that's my read of the of his black which is interesting with you look at the black identity for those two characters i think how it manifests in their character is different in both of them
2: uh Dreddy versus yep. grenzo exactly and okay. I, I like I said. Now I am fascinated, but the losing of the black is just because it's like he, like, gets out and he just starts <laughs> raising havoc. But yet he's hanging around with Doretty. So like, you know, yeah. why would he lose the black? I don't know.
0: I don't know. I, I, huh? There, there might be some representation. Now he's no longer using that system. He's now no, no longer part of that system. So now it's just like pure the, the chaos. It's pure chaos. Red is the color of chaos. Red is the color of emotion. And so yeah. maybe there's just like, and I lost my job, and so now I'm not a part of the system, so now fire is cool, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I lost I lost my job. Like he's just like I mean that's even fired in fired unemployed. Yeah. That's even in his flavor text. You burn, I'll pillage. Just like yeah. well, sure. That's what we do now.
3: I, I think it was more of just um the main set of um
2: conspiracy one creatures
3: yeah conspiracy two i was just going to say that the main set of creatures are the rare cycle at least seems to be um monocolor so this was one where they might have just made the change for purely cyclical reasons
2: right which is that interesting interplay right like the mechanics here match up with his his flavor as you said alex with the burning and pillaging it's a lot more it's goading creatures uh Mm -hmm. and exiling cards to get through that kind of where you get to uh, play other people's cards uh, until the end of turn um from a story it's 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 kind of this interesting almost like similar if i go down too far down this i'm just going to be on a Cranko rant pretty soon it's almost like <laughs> he loses some of his strength as a character when he moves to mono red with this like he has yeah. less purpose and it's almost like you said it's like a burn and pillage thing he just becomes like a yeah. running I around trampling goblin versus I mean, we, yeah, yeah.
0: We, we could go on the whole thing about both grenzo and um oh am i blinking at his name from from ravnica Cranko, yeah, yeah. kind of getting a similar treatment of goblin that has a job, and now we're going to give them a new character, and we don't know what to do, so we're just going to make them about breaking stuff because
2: goblins like to break stuff. So so I'm not going to go down that. Yeah, I'm not going deep down this, otherwise I'll. Yeah,
3: I will pick up. I will pick up black in my color to murder. He so, could have sorry. easily still been black, though, because he's having them cause the chaos, and he's collecting all the, the riches right? during yes. the chaos. He could have still easily been red-black. That's yeah. so This
2: is like one that... Isn't that uh, yeah this is like an interesting
0: exactly. segment exactly. yeah Go, yeah sorry yeah and and the, this may be one where and this is again where's that sort of Melthos intersection where colors of the cards is very much a mechanical thing that is in the game for gameplay reasons and game design reasons. But it also sometimes is used to create story and sometimes it's informed by story. I think more often it informs story. So story is written a little post hoc to to justify color identity things. But that's where it can be. I don't know. I think that's an interesting place as opposed to it hitting a point where it's like, "Ah, I guess it was just a mechanical thing feeling kind of like a just a sucky place to be. But I think it's that an interesting intersection to look at that. But um, I want to continue. So, and I'm going to mention it's funny, this I did not plan for this to work this way, but I mentioned before the cast that there were, I I discovered there were several planes where this was done intentionally, obviously, like where we we have multiple things where this is happening. And and there's, if you know the story and you know the legends and things, there's two fairly obvious examples, one of which you talked about a little bit with Tarkir um, that we can get more into later because I do want to talk about the cons. But um, the, the, third one that was less obvious was conspiracy because there's actually four characters that have a color identity change um the two we've talked about one which is a little weaker kind of like grenzo so i'll mention real quick i think this fits a little bit um and then the the one i want to talk about which kind of spurred this whole idea for me but sylvala goes from green white to mono green um from conspiracy one to two
2: it must be as you're saying uh Taya, this there really must be this, like, we need to move to a single color. Yeah.
0: And I, I think that I think that could have been some of it from a from a gameplay thing. There feels like a tiny bit of justification in the story, a little bit. Um, you look at green, white, Silvalla from the first set is in the city, but of reading the story, like, had, was thrown in jail and then was released by Grenzo and kind of spent a long time in the wilderness. Now came back to the city, and this is like the green white is about being in the city. I think. The mono green is a little more about her time spent out of the city. And so the city kind of brings in some white in the color identity, but it's a pretty weak justification, I think, overall. But I think uh, Marchesa is is a much more interesting um, character to look at for this. And so Marchesa, the black rose from the first conspiracy is black, uh, red, and blue. And then through events of of the story kind of in between the two conspiracy sets, which were represented on some cards in Conspiracy 2, the uh, Brago, who is the ghost king of the the kingdom of this city, um, is killed. And Queen Marchesa Marchesa takes the throne and then becomes Queen Marchesa, remains red-black, but then drops that blue for a white color identity. Um, and this is one that I think is represented more in story than just trying to justify and fit things. And some of it is a big character like this; they probably would inform that a little more from the story, especially in a you know sort of format like this where they're making a mythic. They can be like, ah, oh, the mythic can be three colors. It's it's fine if that makes more sense for the story, as opposed to well, I guess opposed to all of a mythic too. But regardless, I I think that kind of fit for this. You look at both the mechanics. Like this is using the new uh, mechanic from Conspiracy Two. When Queen Marchesa comes in, you become the Monarch. Mechanic that is still, I think, ap- my favorite mechanic they've ever made specifically for multiplayer play. I love the Monarch. It.
3: I mean, we got the mo- we got Monarch and Goad both from yeah. Conspiracy Two.
0: Conspiracy Two is. I love. I love a lot of the things that that set did for commander in general, but Monarch, it, it lets you draw cards, but it also, if somebody hits you with a creature, you, they gain the Monarch. And so it really encourages play without like throwing huge things. It, it encourages a little bit of back and forth on the field, but to really sort of build a full Melthos on this card, not only does she make you the Monarch, she has death, touch and haste. And if at the beginning of your upkeep, if an opponent is the Monarch, you get a one-one assassin token with death touch and haste on the battlefield. These are creatures that people are not going to want to block because a little one-one token costs you nothing, and it can it'll kill just about any creature that blocks it, and it's only one damage. But if they don't block it, that assassin can take the monarchy back to you for you. And I love that sort of Melthos card just in its own. I also love that she's now a human assassin, which I'm just noticing. In that, uh, in, I mean, she did have Rodrigo assassinated. That is fair, but yeah. um, I like sort of that representation. I think in there's some illusion in story and stuff in the first conspiracy that Marchesa is sort of vying for power and she's sort of planning, you know, for some stuff. She even gives has dethrone and gives creatures dethrone a, mm-hmm. a mechanic that makes it.
2: Another cool mechanic for multiplayer. Another cool
3: mechanic, yeah. I mean,
0: this
2: set, it it makes sense that this had such cool things uh, for Commander, because it was meant to be a multiplayer draft set, which is just Yes, which we'll really cool. do, right? Like that's like there's reasons like boxes of these are kept, you know. Yeah, like-
0: one of one of my favorite multiplayer experiences ever was the first conspiracy. My my local store was just like, yeah, we'll just fire them until people stop showing up for them. So I did like three of these in a row one Saturday, and it was yeah. just amazing. But like, so in in her first card, she has that blue. She has the planning. She has the scheming. But then she wins. Her schemes pay off, and now she is on the throne, and by and large, white is the color of cities, white is the colors of- I mean, yeah, she literally is the law at that point. Exactly. And so I love that representation, and that kind of thinking about that, honestly, building a Queen Mark, trying to build a Queen marchesa deck, is what I think kind of put the seed of the idea for this episode in my head.
2: So like let's let's talk about what the actual idea for the episode is. I mean, we're talking about Melthos and we're talking about these like color changes, but I think that there is something to be said for how color changes are used, like what is the purpose behind them? like what do they actually represent? um We've talked a little bit, of, I think with where we've been so far, you know thinking for myself, I, I mentioned at the very beginning, right like uh, I think about this in, when I was in grad school, uh, I took one of those guild. Guild quizzes and hilariously, like at that point, I came back as Aureus, and uh, it was this interesting thing for me. Like, right, I was still finishing up like a, a very heavy academic program. Uh, you know, there was a lot more probably like rules and bound things to it. So I, I'm kind of seeing these like life events, understanding or or underscoring what can be my own shift. And I, I I've you know, it's like the decisions for when wizards uses them has been a fascinating thing for me like this has been a topic that I've been interested in just why do they use it uh so
0: yeah yeah I mean and and, and to, to speak to myself just a little bit I know it's it's an interesting um to talk about color identity and this again is a thing I've kind of talked about here and there but it's it's still a thing that I, I'm mindful of like despite like my my primary colors being red and white and one thing I want to underline too and didn't quite in the opening so' do it now. Remember a few number of years ago, people, you know, on Twitter would kind of do the little emoji thing, like, what are your colors? And then there was certain like a sun for white and all of this. But like, most people would have just a little bit of all five, and then whichever ones they thought they had more you'd stack, because by and large, just little bits of kind, very few people are just like a thing or two box, you know, especially with the the color pie, even as somewhat open as these things are, it's pretty narrow to be like one color. And so when I'm saying red, white, and I feel, I think I can't speak for the two of you, but I think it's a similar thing where it's like, I mean, it doesn't mean there's nothing of the others, but like these are the prominent things for me right now. But that also means like one of the things that I've kind of, I've been trying to do is intentionally keeping in mind there's, there's an aspect of sort of the black color pie that each person this is uh, just comes from like Mark Rosewater when he sort of writes up big things about the philosophy of the different colors. But in black, one of the big things that black believes is each person is best suited to take care of themselves. There's lots and lots of different ways to take this often, you know, the the sort of black characters with black in their color pie that are more villainous are like using this to be very, you know, take themselves regardless of what other the circumstances are for other people. But this is a thing for myself to keep in mind, both for me, there are times where I need to be more, I need to be more active in doing what I need to, to take care of myself and not worry about other people as much. But also there's the thing of if I'm worrying about other people a lot, it's like, I have to keep in mind that generally they are going to know how to take care of themselves better than I can. And even if I want to try to help letting, helping empower them to take care of themselves is better than me trying to take care of them. And so there's, for me, that's a big part of black that I don't really consider myself Mardu in that way, but that is a piece of the black color pie. I'm very specifically trying to sort of build it myself over the last few years.
2: I, uh, yeah, I really like this thought of, you know I mean? We've talked about this, right? Like the, like Kamigawa, when when black was like the representation, like white represented like the villain or the evil versus the black, and like the, those flips that we have. And thinking about it from my own color pie, right? Like if I'm thinking of the red blue, which qualities of red and blue am I referring to? Um, yeah, I don't. You did. From a narrative perspective, like my own story and narrative, like this is why I said it was interesting for me to think a little bit more about this in terms of like where is the shift bit for me.
3: Yeah, I mean, in my case, I have a very clear shift, um, which is the point where I transition. And, you know, I I was thinking about this earlier when we were discussing this topic. And it's like, what was my color identity before? And I I think it was pretty white-black in the lifeless sense, where there's just nothing. There's no joy over anything. It's empty, empty routine, empty... um, feeling there, there's no, there's no positive in anything. And that really kind of feels very white black to me where it's just, um, you know, you trudge through, you follow, you, you do what you're supposed to do. You know, you're not, you're not stepping outside the boundaries that have been set for you. Um, and you're just surviving unless you're the person who's on top of the black white you know um hierarchy, and then you know your life might be pretty good, but most of for most people, black and white together are an oppressive um place to be um you know, and it really is kind of that life without joy you know you get to be uh you get to be a zombie, and that's kind of it and that really was my life before transitioning, and now I've kind of shifted to the complete opposite side of the color pie, and it's. Well, and even the elements
2: of white that you've retained, as you're saying, are are a little bit different than those ones that were more about the slave to routine or just going along.
3: So, yeah, it's more, um, you know, I I think what I, you know, what what I've retained in white especially is more, you know, the the care for the wider community and trying to do what's, um, you know, do what's best for a lot of people at once and i I think that um you know you mentioned having that azorius back set and you know i i I have a lot of problems organizationally with azorius because i think it's it's logic and rule without reason so i I think it really needs the red to be balanced um maybe that's just the red mage in me saying that though (laughs) um give it some emotion yeah you know because otherwise you end up with a you end up with a system of law that doesn't work for everybody
0: and sometimes uh, don't doesn't work for anybody.
3: Yes, or sometimes there's, just doesn't it, work. Yes, there's a
0: there's a like white blue ish you know in the like runaway AIs that decide that humans are the biggest problem for human happiness. Which I mean, right? They're all their... Incorrect, but but then the next step of that means no humans means no issues is like well, this is an issue as well.
3: So yeah. Um. But. I think for me, uh, it's kind of having that in a major life event where I don't think most people, you know, everybody has a little bit of everything that's, you don't have, you're not fixed in, you know, that way people aren't one dimensional, like characters can be. Um, And everybody has, you know, aspects that are part of all colors, but you know it takes a thing of a, a fairly big life event to shift what your underlying color philosophy is
2: i know that the one that kind of is pointing me towards that is I, I i i think that the most fascinating one for me as we were kind of talking about this in the discord and getting prepared um is been the evolution to see omnath like each time we turn around omnath is slowly picking up this move towards five color um you know in a way that we've never seen in the story before you know we we, i'm thinking of where we've seen characters become five color and i'm gonna need help to think beyond niv because niv's the only other one i can think of and it was really like a cataclysmic like world event that pushed niv into the five colors like being a reborn and to represent all of ravnica but omnath is the only evolution that we've seen that's really moved us just like from mono green carrying about just the mana um next time we see uh picked up a blue that's carrying a little bit more about the ah is that actually the order is it red, yeah,
3: green red is the the first, the second one mm-hmm.
2: green green, okay, red.
3: green red Yep, and then green red blue
2: blue yep. yeah and then picked up white and then picked up white, and I forget what the green red one is. That the
0: red one that like makes tokens,
2: it makes elementals, yes.
3: and then things
0: explode when your
2: explode. elementals die. Yeah,
3: it's green, angry green, Omnath.
0: green red is angry Omnath, and is in my lands deck. Nice, because angry okay. Omnom causes explosions, and that's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, but each time we've been coming back
2: to see Omnath, like they've been picking up another piece of the color pie. So like that to me is the most fascinating one to see, like this evolution through everything to pick up being five color. Like if we want to say everybody's got a little bit of it. Omnathus, to me, story and flavor-wise for, like, each time the, the Melthos combination.
3: Yeah, and you know, it starts as just it's something born of the royal itself. You know, as a flavor text on the original one is from the royal emerged a ravenous primordial being of pure mana. So it starts as nothing but green mana, but as it wanders Zendikar, it picks up the aspects of the lands that it tra- um, travels over.
0: Yeah. And I, I, and maybe I'm not, my impression from the green red was cause that was during the return to Zendikar when the, uh, it was the big thing with the war with the Eldrazi. And my impression was that the red or the angry Omnath kind of came from the destruction that was happening in Omnath sort of being more like striking back about that.
3: Right. Against the Eldrazi. Yeah. I mean, as far as this is a legendary character, we have four cards for, and has been in development for years. We have no real story about Omnath at all.
0: Color. That's and, what, yeah. We're seeing this represented only through card. Yeah, and and my my very cursory glance, which is going to miss some, but just uh, Scryfall Legendary five colors. There's only three, I would say, that even changed colors, and only and one is a sort of technicality, and the other is Niv Mizzet. Is um, the other one Jessica? Yes, correct. Okay, corona the fair. Podcast. Okay, and that—that's that, why that one's only sort of. That's yeah, when well, You have characters that get combined into something else entirely. Like that's a
2: weird yeah, asterisk
3: for the, this. The whole Odyssey storyline is, <laughs> is a weird asterisk else. <laughs> when yeah. characters
2: get melded or combined.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're here to talk about a tag a tag, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> C- clearly, growing from the original atog t- to grow up yes. to be a tagatog, yeah, obviously, exactly.
3: Uh, a tagatog is just an atog that you know took the "I'll try anything once" approach and then decided <laughs> that everything is delicious, including <laughs> other atogs. Oh.
0: Yep, I'll try anything once became I'll try everything once, and there's a there's a difference there but uh yeah
3: so, that's cool yeah i mean kind of sticking to zendikar we also out of the Planeswalkers. i think we've seen some of the biggest changes have been you know um, another one we have a lot of changes for is yes. nissa yes um you know she's been mono green most of the time but we got the blue green version when she was hanging out with kefnet on amonkhet And, uh,
0: which I'm going to, sorry, to distract just a moment to talk about that blue green, just a little bit in the, in the desert, because there was a weird, I had a weird little moment like this. This was resonant to a little bit of a, of a moment in my life when I went to California years and years ago, I was 12. So it was a long time ago. I, I at this point can say decades ago, um, to visit my, my grandpa who lived out there at the time and we went to the botanical garden out there, and I, there was a lot of stuff that was, this is like plant life that lives in the desert. And being in Minnesota and growing up on TV and cartoons, my impression of the desert was there are this exact one type of cactus, and that is all that lives in
3: the you desert. You have cactuses and nothing else.
0: Nothing else. <laughs> nothing so, else, yep that idea of seeing all this different type of life that lives in the desert and how it is adapted to live in this different environment that would feel so foreign to a forest dwelling nature centric person Mm -hmm. and then learns, Oh, there's a different way for life to be in this environment was actually a pretty resonant moment for me.
3: Yeah. And, um, You know, she really does for a little bit kind of thinks of, you know, what's the bigger picture and thinks things through. I I always thought it was a little bit of a stretch that she got another color just for that set. Um, I can see mechanically why they did it. It fit mechanically with the set. It fits mechanically with the card. And my reading,
0: which I actually I read the stories a little bit around there, too, is I think it was kind of two sets in a row because it felt like it was a little bit of Kaladesh where she had a similar thing where she's like this is a big city life isn't going to exist here in a way that matters and then she went to the desert and was like okay now I'm starting to get this idea that things can be different in a different place. And
3: right then- yeah in well, the Kaladesh set, she had all the time with Yeheni and kind of developing that idea of like life might be different you know um, to you know, life doesn't have to be the same, or even artificial life like the aetherborns that can't, you know, come out of nowhere as part of a manufacturing process, you know, are still life. So she had a lot of introspection in that part and then carried it into cat where she, you know, actually got along pretty good with Kefnet. And, um, before and like, you
0: know, before the rest of that set happened,
3: yeah, before all the rest happened, um. But uh, another just amazing piece of art. But then we get the green-black version in Return to Zendikar or uh, Zendikar Rising. And this one is the one that, to me, made very little sense other than mechanically. It, it's She's back on her home plane. She's depressed about every ha- everything that happened in War of the Sparks. She could definitely use some professional help um, with, with some counseling or therapy or something. Uh, she's having a pretty bad time, but she's there on her home plane and everything's kind of going her direction. I don't know why yeah. she picked up black in this instance. Yeah, I it's it's a bummer. I mean, it, I mean, maybe this speaks to kind of what the,
2: the issues with writing Nyssa. I mean, <laughs> or or designing Nyssa cards. Um they like want to add a color to Nyssa just because maybe they feel that they're so like they've Exhausted a lot of what they can do
0: mm-hmm. with mono green, especially if they've kind of filled yeah. that slot with other characters. Like, um,
3: yeah, I mean, Vivian's oh become my, Vivian, kind of the main you. mono is, green planeswalker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like I, I agree, I,
2: like, the black doesn't really make sense.
3: Yeah, story wise, it didn't. I mean, she's there, Zendikar's recovering, it's getting healthy she does make some selfish decisions about, you know, how she proceeds through the story. And basically she's like, I'm going to protect Zendikar my way. And I don't care what Nahiri wants, but that doesn't make you, uh, Let's that get doesn't the, be yeah. a black color alignment. That's more, um, you know, she's doing what she wants to do. And that can be any color. And this is a little post hoc. And- justification yeah but there is
0: a i think there might be a little sliver or maybe again this is me just trying to justify it but <laughs> after she left the gate watch on dominaria in the story this is the next time we see her and in a lot of ways she did that for her own mental health she did that for her own well-being and that's a little bit of that black well, she pie shows i was up talking in, about she
3: shows up in war of the spark and then um oh you're Rex right Mito and that Gazi, is mono yes yes you're right yeah um she she drives it like a a mech and ends up (laughs) getting it totaled yeah
2: once again since that never happened this really is the next (laughs) time that we see nissa so i think alex is still correct uh just because you know this is the black that is the black of self-care um Right, Alex? Like the burnout Nyssa? Like she left the gatewatch for her own thing. And since war didn't happen. (laughs)
0: Yes. Speaking of post hoc justification.
2: I I mean, I like that post hoc justification to look at black as a a choice and intentionality towards self-care. Like that's the part of, you're like, this is where I would love to see it explored.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's the thing that we're, totally, reading it. Like, we're now giving it to her. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, We're reading it into the story and it isn't necessarily there, but it, well, isn't necessarily is maybe a strong term for it, but it would be nice to see maybe more of that show up in, in story as, as things move forward and the universe isn't actively on fire right now, like it is right now. <sighs> um, once we've moved past that, it would be great to see some of these smaller character things happening amongst characters who have,
3: not yeah i hope we get some more breathing story, time you know with with some more character development and um you know i, I think there's some promising stuff coming with the story from what and said on just the story structure and everything so we'll see what how that turns out over the next year
0: yeah i mean and i i do appreciate in general again someone's new is listening you may not realize i i am mostly I'm doing my best to avoid like actively knowing anything about what's going on in the story and and not doing a great job. Well, unfortunately just it's hard, but um, there, there's some elements of the story that I just have a very hard time with. And so I'm trying to avoid the magic story as much as I can currently with the whole Phyrexian thing going on. But from things I've seen, just getting in new, new people to write and, and a lot of the stuff that i have seen, even in the last few years before the Phyrexian stuff kicked off, there's just a, a better maybe better, a stronger emphasis for, for story and trying to have some some good, cool story stuff. And even just things like Commander Legends that printed a few years ago, I thought was a really and writing story for these characters was a cool. I mean, and we, we had some of that with some of the Commander products a little bit, but this was like, no, we're going to give you a blurb for every single legend in this set. And even if it's not a ton of story, it, it helps to flesh out the world. The world, is it, it helps to build more flavor and, and character, literally.
3: Yeah, and we've gotten they, they've carried that forward. Yeah, you know, I know you're you're tuned out of the story right now, but we did get a Legends of New Phyrexia
0: or nice.
3: all will be one. So they've been doing that where every legendary gets at least a blurb about them. That's fantastic. I love seeing that.
2: Yeah, it's been probably one of the better things to at least be done, I think, because like you said. This is to me a clear example. Like we have so much on Omnath without having anything on Omnath, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, it just, which is interesting to me, um, especially when we're likely to return to a five color Omnath
0: at some point. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it is just a a a open loop. Like it, at this point, it's a it's a cycle that's in, an incomplete cycle I, that I, they're clearly I, building towards I,
3: I want to see them psych everybody out and take a color away. <laughs> no. Just build it back oh. to green. <laughs>
0: Oh
2: no, just take green away. That yeah. be- oh. There we go. <laughs> like Omnath somehow just loses green. See, I need, I want that
3: justification
2: no. now.
0: Ramp it back down into colorless Omnath.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That even At that point, mean? he's just an Eldrazi.
0: There are a handful of non Eldrazi colorless things.
3: No, Most I'm of them are, thinking, but he's a giant uh, force in on... nature, so he pretty much is a. Yeah. Uh... yeah, it's hard. To, 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 I yeah. was
2: also like, there's not very many colorless things on Zendikar. Yeah, <laughs> that's also that fair. Eldrazi. <laughs> well, oh, I no, think we, we kicked this topic's butt. Yeah,
3: I like yeah. this. Like
2: I said, I I love looking at color representation
3: and why changes happen. So. Yeah, Damn. and I, I would like to say, you know, who are your characters that have changed color that we have we didn't discuss or didn't talk mm-hmm. about? You know, let us know. You know, um, we want to yeah. hear about it. There's and a lot. Speaking this of, is, yeah, say speaking of open cycles, I mentioned that there
0: were three sets, and then only, we only talked about two. We never talked about the third one. Does, does other people catch on to what that one is? No, I oh, think. If, was... I think. I think we'd leave that open and let the listeners figure that one out themselves.
3: Yeah.
1: And that's our show for today. You can find all of the hosts on Twitter for now. Hobbs can be found at HobbsQ. Tay can be found at Taya Transcends, And Alex can be found at Mel underscore Chronicler. Feel free to send us any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to the Goblin Lord Pod on Twitter, or email us at Podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, our link tree can be found on our Twitter account and in the description of today's show. This has everything from various discount codes to the link for our Patreon. The music for today's show was by Vintergotten, who can be found at vintergotten at bandcamp.com. The art was done by Stephen Raphael, who can be found at steve ruffle on Twitter. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Borthos content. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers.